Let's be real, I'm unqualified at best, but I'm taking this year to challenge my fears and seek out authenticity through conversation and hopefully some daring vulnerability. The goal, I'm not really sure yet, but I hope to come out of 2022 more connected to myself and my friends and my faith. Welcome to a year of holy interruptions. Come journey with me, or you know, don't. It's really up to you. Welcome back to Holy Interruptions Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Spasic, and today it is just me. You are stuck listening to my voice. I am really excited for this solo episode we've got going on. I got a question on Instagram recently from a girl named Maddie, Madison Drake, I believe, and I wanted to take time to really sit and answer her question, and it is as follows. How do you stay in love with the Lord? How do you continue to pray and find joy in the Lord, even in seasons of doubt? I've been in a really weird place spiritually, and it always sounds like you and your friends have such great Jesus moments. Maddie, I loved this question. I loved thinking through how to best answer you, and I do not have all the answers, and I want to just publicly name that because I love to talk and I love to share what insight I do have, but I am by no means an expert. I am one person out here to serve Jesus, (laughs) and I do that to the best of my abilities, and I fall short a lot, and I definitely know what you mean. I know what it's like to be in seasons of doubt. I know what it's like to feel like you're in a dry spell. And I love that this podcast makes it sound like we have amazing Jesus moments because we do and we have, but my life isn't just a constant Jesus high. (laughs) I go through seasons of a lot of questioning and, and things. And I think it's important to recognize that in life we have highs and lows and there are times where Jesus just fulfills everything in my life and it is all that I need and all that I desire and then there are times where things come up things like marriage or wanting a job or security kind of come and take a place and are idolized within me that I need to let go of and I I think though the thing that I have learned in these seasons where it's been more of a dry spell, so to speak, is that it makes the seasons with the Lord all the sweeter because I know what it's like to be without and I don't want to have that. And I was thinking about Eve. Her story was that she met God. She walked in the garden with God and I love thinking about her and wondering about her story and about who she was and about what her adventures with God were like as she walked in the garden with Adam. And I think of her life and how it started in ultimate, genuine, authentic joy. And then she had to spend the rest of her life in the absence of God's physical presence. And that's just such a sorrowful thing to know how beautiful God's presence is and then to know so deeply the lack of it. And then I think about our lives and how we have the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful thing. So we do have the presence of God in some way but we can't go and walk with him and talk with him in the way that Adam and Eve could. But we are promised eternity with Jesus if we accept him into our lives. And so that ultimate joy that Adam and Eve had in the beginning, we have that coming and it's going to be so, so wonderful because we know what it's like to be without and we live in a world that is without. And so 
it's really cool to wonder about that and I just wanted to share that going into my answering your question. When I was a student in college, I had a professor tell me early into my four years, he said, Sarah, find a tree on campus and watch that tree until you graduate. And so I picked a tree. It was outside one of my windows when I was a student for one year, and I watched it change. I lived in Chicago, so I had all four seasons present. Some were longer than others. <laughs> Winter lasted for a very long time, but I got to watch my tree grow, and I saw the leaves were beautiful when I came in August, and then they would turn this vibrant yellow, and then they would all fall off, and the tree would be bare, and then it would be covered in snow, and eventually the snow would melt, and soon the leaves would start budding, and then by the time I was leaving school, it was a beautiful, full, green tree again. And I thought that that example of watching life and death every single year through this tree was such a beautiful reminder of what life is <laughs> and what seasons are. And I think we have seasons of life, like we call it a season for a reason because it is temporary and it happens and it it doesn't feel short it doesn't feel temporary but it is because as winter is going through the spring is coming and every day we are a little bit closer and so as we're going through those dry spells the spring is coming and our leaves are going to flourish again and so I just love that reminder that he had and I would encourage you if you're going to be in the same place for a full year and if you're in a place that has seasons like go find a tree <laughs> go watch a tree and see the reality of life on display right in front of you but to get to your actual question how do you stay in love with Jesus I love this question and the first thing I would recommend is ask people about their testimonies ask people who are older than you ask people who are your grandparents' age, your parents' age, ask people your own age because there is such power in a testimony. And when you get to see others describe how Jesus has changed their life, it kind of gets you on like an adrenaline <laughs> rush in a way that reminds you of what we're doing because it's easy to feel the mundane tasks and disciplines and just get in the autopilot going through the motions, but when you actually stop and think and remember what this life is about and how you have been changed, how you have been impacted, it's such a beautiful way to re-engage with the Lord and remember. And I think remembrance is such an important part of our faith journey and of being a Christian is that we are called to remember Jesus, what he said, what he did, who he was and is. We are called to remember all these different stories of people who've gone before. And part of being a Christian is being part of this amazing legacy of people who chose to say yes to Jesus, who chose to say yes to God in the Old Testament. And I mean, you hear so many stories of people who did not have it easy. And you think about Paul and he's sitting in prison for hours, days, weeks, years on end. And that could be an opportunity for him to just gripe and complain and be in the driest spell ever and instead he is proclaiming the gospel that's such a beautiful reality and someone in my staff meeting was reminding me of that it's like even in a spot where it feels hopeless even in prison 
you're able to preach to the prison guards. You're able to be reminded and reflect and remember what we are here for. And then on the flip side of that, serve others. Join some type of ministry in your church. Work with children or volunteer with youth or get involved with people who are starting to experience Jesus for the first time because you will see Jesus through their eyes and they will be asking amazing questions. <laughs> Even little six-year-olds will ask the most unbelievable questions that oftentimes I don't even have answers for or know how to articulately describe back to a six-year-old. There is something so encouraging about watching other people be curious about Jesus and choose to say yes to Jesus and start walking with Jesus. And oftentimes it's immediately after our acceptance of Christ into our hearts that we are the most energized and hyped and excited to share the gospel. And so surrounding yourself by people who are in that place is really helpful in terms of just remembering why we are here and seeing what a beautiful thing it is to walk with Jesus and do life with and for him. Another thing I was thinking about is confession of sin. And I feel like this is not the most obvious answer you could give, but the feeling of forgiveness is one of the most grace-filled things because it is so undeserving. We don't deserve to be forgiven for our sin. And yet we have been. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And I had to confess a sin a few weeks ago. And I had been struggling with this sin for a long time. And as soon as I said it out loud, there was this peace within me. And I just sat there and I was like, Jesus needed me to own up to it. He could have just gotten rid of this sin. He could have healed me, but he needed me to step into repentance and confession and feeling the peace and the love of the Lord and the rest that I had in my soul just gave me such a delight for who God is, who he says he is, and who he proves himself to be. So if there is something in your life that is hidden, bring it into the light because it is such a powerful thing to know genuine forgiveness from other people, but from the Lord especially. Another thing I would encourage you to do is explore the world. Go see God's creation and go experience other believers in other cultures. I think one of the things that really helped me was traveling and going to church in other languages. And you don't even have to travel to do that. There are a bunch of churches with different cultural groups celebrating them in and, and in different languages and things and going into those spaces and recognizing that God is so much bigger than the church you grew up in. Being able to see how big God is and how amazing and vast and specific his creation is and he created every single person in that church and he made them unique and individual and it's so cool and you hear all of these people praising the Lord in their own language and oftentimes I didn't even know what they were saying I didn't know what we were singing sometimes you'd get a hymn or something that I knew and I could kind of follow along because I knew the words myself. But there's something so profound to experiencing Jesus outside of your norm and being a minority within it. So I'd encourage you 
to go and see creation, go and experience different cultures and understand him through a different point of view because every person and every culture has a different way that they see Jesus that can only benefit you. Okay, this one's really obvious, but read your Bible. (laughs) And not only read your Bible, spend time in it, study it, invest in it. I think one of the times I felt the closest to Jesus is when I made it my mission to understand and study the women in the genealogy of Christ. And I spent an entire year just studying them in depth and pouring heart and soul into wondering about these women and exploring their stories. Part of that is reading what other Christians have to say, and not just modern Christians, not just Christians who are currently publishing and really big in the news. Read people like St. Augustine and go and study what other people have to say and be inspired by them. People are classics for a reason. They have stayed in the church body for a long time for a reason, and it's because they have things to say. And I just recommend reading authors from all sorts of timelines. I love Bonhoeffer. I love Henry Nouwen. I love C.S. Lewis. If you want more, DM the podcast Instagram at Holy Interruptions Podcast, and I can send you a whole list um, <laughs> of authors. But And then I think part of that, too, is what we think about really matters. There's a quote from Jenny Allen in the book, Get Out of Your Head. She says, how we think directly results in how we live. And so just being careful in what you put into your mind, um, what you are reading, what you are listening to, what you are watching, and what you are allowing to dwell within your mind really, really matters. Because it will shape what your instinctive reactions are. It will shape what you choose to believe. But it's so hard to remove things from your mind once they are there. But choosing what you dwell on, choosing what you think about, is going to shape how you live. So choosing to read your Bible, choosing to read other authors, choosing to think about them, choosing to be in a Bible study, choosing to talk to your friends about it, that is going to result in a life that is filled with Jesus. And and the more you spend time with him, the more you will want to spend more time with him. Another thing I learned a lot about in one of my classes, it was called Spiritual Disciplines, and we learned about a whole bunch of disciplines. There was the discipline of celebration, the discipline of fasting, the discipline of prayer. Like, there were so many. And there's a Spiritual Disciplines handbook by Calhoun. He wrote this handbook that just goes in-depth into tons of different disciplines, and there were a bunch that I didn't even know were disciplines. But I think if you are not feeling your faith, that's okay. Because we are not called to feel good. We are not called to feel like we are close to Christ. We are called to be close to Christ. Something I experienced when I was in a season where I did not feel close to God is I just started building habits with disciplines. And I used the Book of Common Prayer. It basically has a ton of prayers and passages and words that I was able to use to pray through when I didn't feel like I had words to pray myself. And I went through these different morning devotionals, Compline in the evening, noonday prayer. I would do these every day. And as I did it, I started to feel closer to God. And there's a book that I've been reading. It's called The Mountain is You by Brianna 
West? West? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But she is not writing from a Christian perspective. But she has a quote that I really enjoyed and I want to build off of. And it says this. You are going to enjoy spending time in your home if your home is organized and meaningful to you. You are going to feel better about yourself each day if you take the time to put yourself together with care. These things are not little things. They are big things. You just can't see it because their impact is that you do them every day. And I think that is such a key part of it is that there are so many things that we do every day and that we can do every day that feels small and little and unimportant, but it shapes our experience. And so doing things like reading your Bible, sitting with Jesus in prayer, just sitting in silence, asking the Lord to come, things like breath prayer, a whole bunch of those type of disciplines can really, really impact you. And when you're in a rut, that's what's going to help lead you out of that rut is those routines, those disciplines, and choosing to keep saying, I don't feel it right now, but I choose to believe that even though I don't feel the Lord, I trust he is there. Okay, one last recommendation is to counter your entitlement. There is a belief that, and I think it comes in part from the American dream, that we should be wealthy, healthy, happy, and married. <laughs> and that that is kind of the ideal life and that's what we are on earth for. And so in some ways, you have to sit down and realize God didn't promise me a marriage. He didn't promise me a husband or a spouse. God didn't promise me health. He never promised me happiness. He never promised me money. Those are things that are wanted and desirable and expected in the ideal American dream, but never in the Bible does God say, I have a spouse for everyone. That is not a promise. That is an expectation we put on God. Being able to name the ways you have expectations from God that are ill-placed and then counter them with things that were promised to you. Things like rest, for example, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God promises to answer our prayers in Matthew 7, 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And I think this is such a crucial thing because I think so often we expect God to answer prayers we're not asking. We expect God to just know and fulfill the prayers and provide answers for us. And really, we need to be asking God in our prayers. If you're not praying, how are you expecting answers? <laughs> yes, God knows because he knows all things. But as a Christian, we are called to ask for it to be given. We're called to seek so we can find and We're called to knock so the door will be opened. God does promise to work everything out for our good. He says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are according to his purpose for them. So often we are very entitled about what we assume to be good. Happiness oftentimes is related to what we assume to be goodness. And God promises to work everything out for our good. 
but he doesn't promise to do it in the way we expect. God promises to be with us in Joshua 1.5. He says, I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He promises not to abandon us and what a beautiful reality that is. God promises to protect us in Psalm 91 too. He said, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him because he is that place that we can go to. He is that safety. And then lastly, God promises that nothing can separate us from him. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because once we have accepted Christ, once we have chosen to live with him and for him, that is all it takes. And so everything else, all of our disciplines, our confession, our testimony should be a result of our love for him. I hope some of these disciplines, some of these examples are helpful for you in thinking about how do we choose God. Every day it's a choice. Every minute is a choice to say, I choose Jesus. And it's not easy. And God never promised us easy, <laughs> no matter how much we might want it. Um, we were not called to an easy faith, but we were called to a good God. I'd love to encourage you to set aside and counter any entitlement you might have or your culture has led you to believe and sit down and write down all the things you know to be true about the Lord, all the promises he has given to you. Because those are the things that matter and those are the things that when you are feeling doubt, when you aren't sure about what is true, those are the things you can cling on to because that is what the Lord has declared and promised to us. With that, I think it's time to wrap up this episode. If you have any questions for me, you can write me a message on Instagram at Holy Interruptions Podcast or on my personal account at s.spacic. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your thoughts and your questions. All of us are walking in faith together and it is so beautiful to see you as part of my new community coming together and choosing